Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui here with Joey Volpe for this week's episode. Uh, we are talking AFC South. We did, I think this is the last of the AFC. So over the past three weeks, we went over the AFC East, uh, North, and West. <laughs> and uh, East. And now, and, and now we're hitting the South this week. Yes, sir. Um, we really went like pretty good breakdown all the positions over the past few weeks. We're going to do the same thing this week uh, with the Colts, Titans, Jaguars, Texans, um, quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, all of it. So um, we're going to hit uh, as much as we can. We try to keep this, you know, within an hour or so. Uh, I think last week we did a pretty good job. We kind of condensed it. What do we call it? We called it, I don't know what we, what we said, short and sweet, whatever it was. It was something. It was something. I don't remember what it was. I, all, all I know is you were making fun of me for it. Um, but, <laughs> Joe, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, man. I'm excited for the AFC South. A few of my favorite players uh, to draft this year are in this division. And okay. I think you know who I'm referring to, potentially. Okay. okay. So all right. We'll get to well, talk about that. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah. It's really a, a, dead, a dead zone in terms of news over the past couple of weeks. So we haven't really seen much going on. Obviously, you know, yeah. OTAs. You know, not really happening. Um, you know, we're just pretty much awaiting training camp at this point. Uh, but it's coming up soon, right? At end of this month is really when it starts getting crazy. Uh, and, and that's when the news is starting to going to start to drop. And we're going to be hearing uh, <laughs> those hype trains start to like really roll out the station. So um, let's go ahead and get started um, with the Colts. Carson Wentz, uh, the new quarterback for the Colts, replacing Phillip Rivers. Um, I would imagine some more downfield passing. You know, now that Carson Wentz is there, Phillip Rivers, you know, he retired. You know, his arm was shot. He wasn't really targeting uh, downfield receivers as much. It, it, you know, it's not like he had a ton to work with, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, T.Y. Hilton was a shell of himself, especially in the first half of last year. Uh, Michael Pittman was a rookie. Paris Campbell was injured. Um, and in the beginning, it looking like things were kind of rolling a little bit in terms of uh, these receivers uh, before Paris Hilton, Paris, 
Paris Hilton. <laughs> Love. It. I knew that was gonna happen. Uh, but as soon as Paris Campbell got hurt, you know that's kind of where, where it went downhill for that passing sure. game. Um, but this year, um, you know, he has T.Y. Hilton, he has Paris Campbell healthy, hopefully, and Michael Pittman. Um, and this can be a situation where um, you know Carson Wentz has enough to work with in the passing game. You know, he has Naheem Hines too. You know, pass catching specialist coming out of the backfield. Um, you know, maybe more Ali Haas and take a, a, a step, you know, make take a step forward. If they don't and, trade for Zachers. If they don't trade for Zachers. I think I think the Colts are probably the betting favorite, you know, for, for where yeah. Zach Ertz will land. And, and and if he does go to the, the Eagles, sure. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, to the Colts, like Colts, sure, yeah. that's, that's that's that'll be good for uh for Carson Wentz, you know, just give him another weapon. Um but but how are you feeling about Carson Wentz uh, as a quarterback in fantasy? Do you think that uh, he can make make his way uh, to a top twelve uh, finish in terms of uh, points per game? Is, is it in, um, is it in is it a possibility for him? I don't think so. I mean, in the world of possibilities, sure. No, no, in, in the possibilities of like like a know, likely possibility. I don't, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. Only because kind of think of this like Baker Mayfield, right? If Baker Mayfield was throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game, we'd all be looking at him as a guy. I was like, oh, maybe he can be a top 10, top, you know, top 10, top 12 quarterback. And the reality of Carson Wentz is that he's going to a system he's comfortable with to the point where they're not going to have to rely on him, right? They're going to rely on Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines in this run game. That's where their offense is going to revolve around. Wentz is going to do his job when he needs to, but he's not going to be weekly high producer. So um, in that sense, I, I don't see Wentz finishing top 12. If you're looking for a streaming option or a backup, I, I, I do like Wentz, but I, he's not someone I'm targeting really. He's not someone who I see with a ton of upside because of the fact that this is such a run heavy offense. Yes. T.Y. Hilton's there and Michael Pittman's there. who We're going to talk about in a second, but they don't have like, an Allen Robinson, a Terry McLaurin. They don't have that established wide receiver one that's going to command target. They really don't have anyone in Indianapolis who's going to command any sort of targets. Um, so, yeah, I just – this is going to be such a run-heavy team. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. I, I don't know if it's going to be, like, super run-heavy. I mean, l- last year they It's not were... going to be, like, Ravens. You know, yeah, like I would that say that, level, you know, but... like last year, they were right in the middle of the pack, you know, in terms of, of, of rushing attempts per game. Um, and Phillip Rivers was their quarterback, right? So the fact that they, they, I think they do have a little bit of an upgrade at the quarterback position, at least in terms of somebody who can make a bunch of different types of throws, right? Like Phillip Rivers was a little, you know, he was limited, right? Maybe a lot of checkdowns, uh, maybe a lot of crossing patterns, short to intermediate type of routes. But with Carson Wentz, at least, you know, a lot of that passing game opens up a little bit in terms of what the possibilities are. Um, so I don't see them like, you know, becoming like super run heavy, but sure. I do think this is going to be a relatively balanced offense, you know, at least what it was last year. I think they were like 16th in pass attempts per game last year or something like that. Um, but then that was with, you know, Philip Rivers, obviously. Um, but you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, obviously, I think going into his second year, um, you know, what he did towards the end of last season showed what he's capable of. Um, and you know, a lot of people are viewing him as a top five back, um, you know, in terms of fantasy going into this season, potentially, you know, and is that in his cards to finish as a top five running back? Yeah, I think so. Um, where do you have him ranked right now? Seventh. Okay. You have him seventh. Uh, I, I can get on board with that. Um, now 
why do you like him at seven? Uh, so, you know, at, towards the end of the year, I think it was like in the, in the last like eight games or something like that. I think that was what his, what his stretch was. Um, sure. He finished as the RB seven, right? And he had an amazing stretch of games. So he's going to have to continue being relatively amazing next season, especially if, the, if we're drafting him that high, you know, because we're not drafting him as a, we're drafting him as, you know, a top eight, top time, top nine running back. Right. Yeah. And I think with Jonathan Taylor, it comes down to having a great offensive line. Um, it comes down to him being talented as a player, it comes down to him getting a ton of work. I think he's going to see much more work than he saw last year in terms of end of the year total. Right. Um, I think there's a world where he sees 250 to 275 or more carries on the ground. Um, maybe he gets involved enough as a pass catcher to where he's going to get uh, 40 to 50 catches. Um, We'll see. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to hit, but I think he can do it. I mean, you're talking about a talented running back with a great uh, system for running backs with a great offensive line. It's hard to not buy into that, especially when he's going to be a workhorse. Yeah. I mean, one of his pros is definitely the fact that he has a great offensive line working ahead of him. Um, My only issue with him is how much is he going to be on the field, right? Um, If I'm drafting somebody that high, um, somebody who, number one, he has to be very involved in the passing game, right? And number two, um, if they're not going to be extremely involved in the passing game, at least be available for targets on early downs. Um, so, you know, if this guy sees like 65 to 70% of snaps, his value goes way higher, right, than, than it was last year. Uh, yeah. But I think that Naheem Hines is... I think Naheem Hines is somebody who is going to still see, uh, you know, potentially 45% of snaps, um, which will, you know, obviously limit Jonathan Taylor's time on the field and targets. Um, my only thing with him is that, you know, Philip Rivers, you know, is somebody who loves to check the ball down, right? Early downs, passing downs, whatever the case may be. But with Jonathan Taylor, now with Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz might throw the ball downfield a little bit more, throw the ball to Naheem Hines on designed pass plays to Naheem Hines a little bit more. That's where the, you know, he might not have those tendencies, right? That's my, that's my issue with Jonathan Taylor. I don't see Jonathan Taylor, you know, catching, you know, 50 balls this year, right? I think I Naheem think... Hines is somebody who's going to be catching, uh, being be the main, main pass catcher. But not only that, you can be the main pass catcher, but I do think he's still going to be on the field, you know, 45, 50% of snaps. Where I differ on that is I'm thinking of this as like the JD McKissick and Alex Smith situation to where like JD McKissick was just his guy in that backfield. Like Alex Smith did not want to throw it downfield. McKissick was just that easy dump off for him. And I think where this changes when you equate like Ryan Fitzpatrick to Carson Wentz in terms of playing differently than the guys they're seceding, right? Like Carson Wentz plays much differently than Phil Rivers. Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the opposite of Alex Smith at this point in their careers. But um, when it comes down to it, I think there's going to be specific, rather than Naheem Hines being on the field for 40 to 45% of plays and just being there for Rivers when he wants to dump it off, I think what we're going to see is Jonathan Taylor getting his 70-plus percent snaps. And then when Naheem comes, Hines comes onto the field, they're going to have specific plays for him to catch the ball, like you said. But with that being said, I don't think he needs to be on the field as much without Phil Rivers there. So to, to clear things up a little bit, Yes, there will be Naheem Hines specific plays, but that doesn't necessarily equate to him being on the field more. A lot of those plays with him catching the ball was Phil Burgers, uh, Hines, uh, Hines. 
You know what I mean? So that's why I feel like Jonathan Taylor is still going to see that six of his armor. And you know what? Naheem Hines is basically one of the receivers, right? If they have an injury out there, there's a chance they run two running back sets. That's, you know, not unheard of, especially if Paris Campbell goes down again. So Naheem Hines, uh, his rookie year caught uh, 63 balls. He had yeah. 81 targets. That's four, five more targets than he had last year. He had the same amount of receptions that he, as he had last year. And you know who his quarterback was his rookie year, right? Andrew Luck, right? Yeah. Andrew Luck was no Phillip Rivers, right? Who was, was the wide receiver one that year? Uh, T.Y. Hilton. Was he healthy? T.Y. Hilton played. Let's see how many games T.Y. Hilton played. Because that's going to that be a big year. factor, too. T.Y. Hilton played 14 games. He started and started and completed 14 games. Uh, had but then again, one, the biggest 1, question 000, there who was 1, the running back one yards. that year as well? Was that the Frank Gore? Mar- Marlon Mack. And I'm not a Marlon huge fan of Mack. I think Marlon Mack, I think Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack in the senior kind of equate to a similar mm-hmm. player, right? I think Jonathan Taylor is far and away a better player than Hines. Yeah, I, I, Hines for sure. Good. But 100%. I think Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, when it comes to the two of those, I'd rather have Hines. I hear you, but I think these we're talking apples and oranges now, right? Marlon Mack is more of that every down, uh, you know, that, that not every down, I'm sorry, early down rusher, right? Okay. Um, the difference between Marlon Mack and somebody like Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is an amazing athlete. He is, uh, he can be an amazing pass catcher as well. Um, but Naheem Hines is just is somebody that Frank Wright has used since he was Frank drafted. Wright or Nick Sirianni. What's that? Frank Wright or Nick Sirianni? Because Naheem Hines was drafted, I believe, the year after Marlon Mack. And Hines was one of Sirianni's hand-picked draft picks. And then how, now how, how, how do we how do we know that it was Sirianni, though? Because Sirianni, Sirianni talked in multiple reports. I remember doing research like crazy on the You know Naheem Frank Hines Wright was game. running the offense, though, right? Frank Wright was running the offense. Do you remember how Wait, much When he Frank was drafted? Wright- Yes. Do you remember how much Frank Wright was running? You know how much Frank Wright has talked up Naheem Hines since he's been in the league? So is Sirianni too, though. Sirianni's even talking about in Philadelphia using Kenneth Gainwell in that Naheem Hines type role. Sure. Sure. No, yeah, of, of course. And do you, do you remember when Frank Wright was in San Diego? And he Danny, used, Woodhead, Danny Woodhead Danny was Woodhead, his dude yeah. too, right? With mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon there. Right. So yeah, like if Melvin points. Gordon never got hurt that second year, like he would have played, I think he would have played a lot as well. And Melvin Gordon, we know what kind of recruit he was coming out of college. Very similar yeah, to what Jonathan Taylor too. was. Um, I just think points. that, I, I just think that from for where Jonathan Taylor is being drafted right now, I just can't do it. Now, for those mm-hmm. wondering about Marlon Mack, I'm not even worried about Marlon Mack. No, I mean, um, Marlon Mack isn't somebody who, after they signed, him and I'm like, oh no, no, like that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> what what does suck though is Frank Reich is known for using, you know, a a plethora of running backs in his backfield, and I would not be surprised if Mack is on the field for ten to fifteen percent of snaps. I wouldn't be surprised if Mack got cut before week one either. But that third running back, whoever that is, whether it's Jordan Wilkins or Mack, can potentially see ten to fifteen percent of snaps. And if Naheem Hines is still getting work on the field as well, that reduces the total amount of snaps that Jonathan Taylor can play this year, which sucks, right? Like I want Jonathan Taylor to be on the field as much as possible. He's capable of being an every down back. Um, sure. But where he's being drafted right now, that, that, that late first, you know, right at the turn there, like I just, I, I'm not in on that. Um, really because of the presence of Naheem Hines, number one, 
and really because of how Frank Wright uses his running backs. Those are my only issues. Is Jonathan Taylor going to win you some weeks? Hell yeah, he's going to win you some weeks for sure. Um, but I just don't know, don't know that it's going to be consistent. And I'm, ha- I'm a, a little bit of a, I'm a little bit afraid that he might be um, more touchdown dependent than we think. That, those, those are my only issues. Especially I think he's still going to be efficient and that's going to make up for any lost touches. I, I think he's going to be a fine running back one. I have no problem taking John Taylor in there first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you told me that like dude was going to get like, you know, like you mentioned, you mentioned 250 carries, right? 250 carries over 17 games is like 13 carries a game. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking 16. <laughs> okay. 16 games, 15 carries a game, right? Is he yeah. going to get a five receptions also on top of that? Then I'm in hundred percent all day. Sure. Uh, but I just, I just, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Uh, okay. If I had to, but honestly though, if I had to guess how many carries he is going to have this year, I'm going to guess like 280. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe, maybe like 295, 300, something like that. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but still uh, we play in PPR leagues and pass catching is such a big, important, uh, big, important thing. That's why I'm taking guys like Austin Eckler over him. Okay. Let's move on. Um, so we talked about Jonathan Taylor at length here. Let's move on to the wide receiver situation. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman. Um, I've been on the Paris Campbell train for a little while now, uh, but T.Y. Hilton coming back throws a little bit of a wrench in things. Now, does it make this offense better? I do think so. I do think that the defense is going to have to take into account, you know, T.Y. Hilton, his speed. He can still do some things. Towards the end of last year, he was still able to produce, right? So this is a, you know, average wide receiver core right now a little maybe a little bit better than average if if uh Campbell can stay healthy um at its best yeah yeah at its best right exactly um if T.Y. Hilton also doesn't you know take a step big step back too which is very possible uh you know considering his age right um and we thought that he was he returned to a pumpkin last year but you know he kind of caught some wind towards the end of the season but um, do you see any sort of breakout from any of these wide receivers in, in terms of Michael Pittman? Can you see him, you know, taking a step forward in his second year? If I'm going to put a bet on anyone having a breakout year, it's going to be Michael Pittman. But even then, I'm still not completely buying into any of these wide receivers. Um, I do like the idea of taking Paris Campbell and the tail end of your draft because that's around where he's going, especially in PPR. Um T.Y. Hilton, I mean, is he worth taking a shot on if he falls far enough? Yeah, but my expectations for him aren't going to be a weekly wide receiver, too. That's just not who he is anymore. He's had a ton of injuries. He's only getting older as the years go on. Uh, Is there a world where T.Y. Hilton can produce as a wide receiver, too, wide receiver, three? Yeah, I think there's a world where that exists, but it's not a world I want to bet on when I'm drafting him. So I'm just going to be careful about draft price. Um, To be honest, none of these wide receivers really – excite me other than maybe like you said Campbell like at the tail end of your draft I, I don't go in my draft like okay I have to make sure I'm getting Pittman or can't wait to get T.Y. Hilton at a discount this year or you know Paris Campbell late sure why not I, I'm not excited by any of these guys really yeah uh Michael Pittman right now going in the 10th round uh that's a little early for me personally I you know I guess people are just hoping for that breakout in his second yeah. year, which is why he's priced that way. Like he's right next to guys like Michael Gallup and Marvin Jones, who are two guys I'd rather take over him um, in a big in a big way. Honestly, I think okay. Michael Gallup uh, is legit. Even Darnell Mooney, you know, can potentially break out with Justin Fields if he gets on the field. Um, so there's a few guys going around him that I I'd much rather take. Um, guys like Jamal Williams, you know, just 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 
for me, sure. a little bit either more upside or a little bit more st- stability um, when it comes to that spot. Paris Campbell, he's going to the tail end, like 60, 15, 60 yeah. round. Like he might, he might go undrafted in some leagues. Uh, so I'm perfectly fine taking him. Um, I, you know, I did a piece on, on Paris Campbell a while back about how much Carson Wentz targets the slot, you know, targeting the slot over his career and how much Frank Wright contributed to that as well. Um, like, you know, Frank Wright used Aguilar in the slot, right? He was running 86% yep. of the slots with him. Um, he targeted, uh, you know, Carson Wentz targeted tight ends, uh, you know, at a high rate. And a ton of them, a ton of those routes came out of the slot. Um, and whether you move the tight end in line and had a slot receiver, it was a similar uh, usage in terms of the slot receivers. Um, he had, he had um, uh, what's his name? Uh Jordan Matthews, right? Remember Jordan Matthews? Um, he was playing 67% of snaps in the slot, and then 77 of his 109 targets came from the slot With when Wentz was paired up with Frank Reich in Philly. Um, Wentz targeted the slot at, a, at the fifth highest rate uh, while he was under Frank Reich. And then when Frank Reich left, he was also the fifth, he also had the fifth highest rate to the slot over the, over the past two seasons that sure. he played. So, you know, it's one of those situations where like, you know, this could be a part of the offense, you know, and when we've had Frank Wright pick Paris Campbell and talk him up and know that he was going to run out of the slot, he had a lot of plans for him, right? And um, and even Andrew Luck, when he played with Frank Wright, he targeted the slot at a 40% rate in his first year with him in 2018. Um, so it's one of those situations where, like, I think if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, there can be some some value there. Um, I don't want to hold my breath only because he he couldn't stay healthy, yeah. but uh, you know a lot of um, you know people in the medical field, you know, look at the, the injuries that he's had, and it's not injuries that are necessarily uh, indicative of future ones. It's just kind of freak injuries. So I, I, like I'm in the boat career of Keenan Allen. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, I'm in the boat of I'm taking another shot on him, especially because you know he's young. He's still one of the fastest players in the league um, after the catch. And um, and he could have good usage in the offense. So that you know, I'm just I might take a shot there. Sure. Um, as as far as his tight end room, uh, Trey Burton left. So you know, you have Jack Doyle still. You have Mo Ali Cox. Um, you know, Mo Ali Cox is somebody who can definitely, you know, stand out from this bunch in terms of receiving. He's extremely athletic. Uh, he has a great profile. And you know, if he takes a step forward uh, with some more targets, like he's a little sneaky. You know, and, and oh, yeah. don't be, don't be surprised um, if you're picking him up like after week two, week three, you know, uh, because you need a streamer. And then sometimes streamers just turn into guys that you keep on your roster uh, because you went late round, late round tight end, that late round tight end didn't work. And you end up picking up those guys who start producing. Uh, don't be surprised if Mo Ali Cox, you know, can be that dude. I'm not drafting him, obviously, yeah, but like he's somebody that you're going to, you know, look at a waivers potentially. Yeah, Mo Ali Cox has been a guy who I've been, Oddly eyeing the last couple of years. Um, yeah. John Jack Doyle has been on the decline. Trey, Trey Burton is about whether he was going to come back or not. We still don't know if they're going to be able to acquire a guy like Zach Ertz. Uh, the rookie they drafted, who I believe they took in third or fourth round, Kylan Grayson. On the, there was a beat report not too long ago about him being used similar to how Trey Burton was used last year. So that's going to be interesting in this mix. But, um, you know, whatever. If that's Kylan the case, Grayson, that's super disappointing. <laughs> because if that's the case, it is all these all these targets in this offense have been so distributed amongst tight ends. Remember when Ebron was there too? Yeah, right. 
like Ebron wasn't getting all the targets, right? Uh, it was just, it was really split up between the two and the distribution was too spread out for us to have any sort of like serious fantasy value uh, from these tight ends. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping Moali Cox sees enough of a role. I mean, he's the best red zone threat they have like far and away the best red zones that threat they have. So it'll be interesting. I think at the very least, if he's in some sort of a starting position, maybe he ends the year with six or seven touchdowns on the high side, but um, that's where his value is really going to come in. All right, let's move to the Jaguars. Brand new team. Well, at least brand new quarterback, brand new running back. Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, coming in one of the most highly touted, you know, quarterbacks since, I don't know, what, Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck, maybe? Manning, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's up there with those guys in terms of uh, being that type of prospect. Um, this is the Urban Meyer offense, 11 personnel. You know, they're going to have, you know, a, a, a decent – they're going to try to have a decent running game, work off the run. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to run it more. It just means that they're going to definitely want to try to establish a run game. <laughs> um, Travis Etienne, James Robinson, Carlos Hyde making up that backfield. Um how do you view Trevor Lawrence? You know, is he somebody who can, you know, make a, an early splash? You know, it's kind of like Justin Herbert did last year, uh, you know, similar to that sort of thing. Do you think that he has the weapons to do it? Do you think that this is the type of offense that he could do it on? Um, is he somebody you'll be paying attention to, you know, over the first couple of weeks? Because, you know, he might get drafted, you know, in, in certain leagues, in one quarterback leagues, it's possible, you know, people take a late round shot on him, right? Because that new rookie, you know, is intriguing. Um, but is he somebody that you'll be looking out for? Um, I think the way you described keeping an eye out is the best way how I'm viewing Trevor Lawrence, right? Because right now he doesn't have a weapon that necessarily sticks out to me. And I'm just like, oh, like him and Trevor are going to kill it this year other than ETN. But if he... I mentioned this with, with the Colts. If he had an Allen Robinson, if he had a Terry McLaurin, if he had a one of these talented wide receivers who could be that, you know, who could establish that like great connection with him early on. Then I'd say, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence has a top 10 season, whatever, but he doesn't really have that right now. He's going to his first year. Um, I think there is going to be a heavier focus on the run game. Like you said, especially establishing it with Daryl Bevel um, being the offensive coordinator there and kind of running that offense that Urban Meyer envisions in the NFL with the slash slash position, Travis Etienne and so forth. But yeah, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. So that alone kind of places him within that top 15 spectrum. It's just like, I don't want to take him over Joe Burrow. I'm not going to take him over Matt Stafford. I'm not going to take him over Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or whatever. So um, yeah, tail into your draft. If you missed out on quarterback, he's in high upside pick. Keep an eye on him. Maybe pick him up later in the year. But uh, I'm not, I'm not overly excited for his upside. Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you. You know, it's a brand new offense, right? It's a college offense too, like coming yeah. into the NFL that can take time to make a transition. Um, so, you know, I, I have my hopes up, but at the same time, like I don't want to have them too high just because, you know, this isn't a situation where like, you know, it's high probability of, you know, huge success, right? Yeah. Rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, you know, as highly talented as he is, you know, there could, could still be some growing pains there. Um but talk about your boy, Travis Etienne, um, and, and, and what his role looks like. Obviously, you know, if you're not aware of the slash position, like, you know, he's had 
you know, wide receivers usually play that role, right? In Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, even Paris Campbell played, you know, a, a you know a relatively similar role to those guys. Yeah. Not as much production, but similar role. More of a more of a receiver though. Uh, but these guys were were very effective in both the run and pass game. Um, and as soon as Travis Etienne took took the um, uh, took his first snap and OTAs, he was playing wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, so, so tell us how you feel about uh, Travis Etienne. Let me just talk about his ADP real quick. Um, sure. Travis Etienne, you know, probably going around like the fourth round or so. Uh, probably so, late you know, fourth. Yeah. Yeah, so late fourth, I think, is good value for him. I'm a huge, huge advocate of Travis Etienne. I wasn't sure at first, obviously, because of James Robinson being there. When you really break it down, what was impressive about James Robinson wasn't so much wasn't so much his efficiency or performance. It was more so what he did, did as an undrafted free agent. Like, he got a ton of volume. He had one of the highest opportunity shares in the entire league. Um, we'll talk about James Robinson a little later, but that just kind of goes into why I like Travis Etienne so much. I think Etienne is going to be on the field a ton, playing that slash role. He's going to be catching a ton of passes. And look, ultimately, Urban Meyer came into the NFL for what reason? For Trevor Lawrence, right? If they didn't have the number one overall pick, if they weren't drafting Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer was not coming to the NFL. That's just how it is. And uh, they asked him, and he's like, yeah, that played a huge part in my decision to come into the NFL. But ultimately, with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's the golden boy for Jacksonville. He's going to be their saving grace. He's at least who they hope can be the next Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, talking about all this stuff. Um, So who was the golden boy's number one weapon in college? You could say T. Higgins within his first two years, but then he went to the NFL for his third year. was really Amari Rodgers. Justin Ross was hurt throughout his career. So his best weapon throughout his entire college career was Travis Etienne. And now he's right back at being his right-hand man in the NFL. Look, if Golden Boy wants Etienne on the field, why would he not? Especially as a pass catcher, Etienne's going to be on the field. I think Etienne's going to see 55 60% of the snaps easily. It might even be higher than that as the year progresses. But, yeah, they they have him at wide receiver right now, but he's definitely talented enough as a runner to take away some stuff on the ground. He's going to own the backfield targets for sure. And uh, like I said, there's no established wide receiver one here. Like Marvin Jones definitely has the upside. DJ Chark has been a little hit or miss throughout his career. Uh, LaVisca, he's on the rise playing that slot position. But overall, Travis Etienne is going to be the priority. He will, yeah. Will he out target those guys? Who knows? It's in the realm of possibilities, but um, I, I think he's going to see plenty of targets in PPR to be productive. He's going to see enough on the ground. His ceiling is Alvin Kamara. Is he going to hit that? Probably not. Definitely, you know, the, the chances of him then hitting that are slim, but that's where his ceiling lies, especially as a pass catcher. So I'm all over him. Yeah. I mean, I think when you said 55 to 60% of snaps, I think that's about right. And the reason why that's okay is because most of his production will, or a lot of his production, a big percentage of it will be coming in the pass game. Right. Yeah. And and when that happens, we know how much more valuable targets are than carries. Right. Would you rather have a guy who has 15, 16 carries per game with like one or two targets? Or would you rather have somebody who's getting like, you know, seven to eight targets per game and maybe, you know, four, five, six, seven carries. Like I'd rather have the latter. Right. Just because, especially with guys like Travis Etienne, 
you know, who we know is both capable in the run and pass game, that slash role, that's what that is basically for. It's guys who can handle both uh, the run game and the pass game. Yeah. Like look at um, Curtis Samuel's numbers <laughs> at Ohio State. Um, his, his rushing totals were very close to his receiving totals, right? Um, Almost and identical. And that, yeah, that's that what the same thing do. happened with uh, uh, Percy Harvin as well, who had over 1,500 yards from scrimmage in like two out of three of the years. Yeah. So. And he was an animal. Like Percy Harvin is like oh, yeah. arguably one of the most, one of the best college players of all time. Right. And like, you know, he, I think one thing that Travis Etienne is not going to be doing is catching a ton of balls downfield. Right. Sure. He's going to catch some balls downfield. Right. Like he's going to get some targets. Like oh, yeah. maybe, maybe a handful. But, you know, not, he's not going to, he's not going to be doing, you know, like, catching balls 20 yards downfield consistently um you know uh, most of the stuff is probably going to be close to the line of scrimmage um so expect you know, a similar you know sort of a dot w- with when you consider other running backs but i can imagine him on the field a lot with guys like james robinson right it doesn't i don't think they're inter- interchangeable right I, I don't think like james robinson snap percentage plus etn snap percentage is going to equal 100 percent right? Yeah. It's gonna, probably going to equal 120 or 130% because these guys will overlap a ton. When sure. ETN can, they can be two back sets. ETN can be in the slot. ETN can be on the outside and James Robinson can be in the backfield. James Robinson can come, come off the field. They put ETN in the backfield. That That's how Urban Meyer is probably going to use them. So a lot of versatility here, a lot of upside, like you mentioned, um, the floor, he doesn't have much of a floor right now. I don't think because we don't know how much he's going to be utilized. Um, because we don't know how we, we've actually never seen um, a running back like him um, who's not as polished of a receiver in terms of route running and all that. Um, I'm, James to, Robinson to, or to play, to pl- I'm talking about ETN to play this role, right? Um, all of his routes in college where he, he basically ran like about two routes, two or three routes in college. He didn't have a full route tree or close anything close to it like a lot of other running backs that have come out of the league. Uh, but that's part of the reason why, you know, he was put right at wide receiver to, to learn all that yeah. uh, in his in his first year. So I think his upside is tremendous. He was my number one running back uh, yeah, in, this, in this draft class. Um, so I'm, he, I'm very high on him. Uh, is there a part of me that wishes that um, he could have a more traditional workhorse role in NFL? Uh, I think so. Um, I'm not 100% sold on the Urban Meyer offense just yet in the NFL, but I do want to. I do want to see how he's used. I'm very excited to see how they use him. Um, oh, yeah. And there is a world where, like, in, in there's a world where he sees like six, seven, eight targets per game. You know, in addition to like 10 carries a game, which would be absolutely amazing. Which is right? what I think he can hit at the end of the year. Honestly, I'm yeah. not. And if I'm not talking about James Robinson soon, I mean. In the fourth round, like that's not a bad deal. Uh, especially that's a great deal. If, if you need an RB, if let's say for some reason you need an RB two and you need to, you want to try to just try to hit that upside, yeah, yeah, go for it. You know what I mean? Um, and and you want too, an RB three, yeah. Nothing too, especially running backs are still being taken like insanely early, right? By the end of the third round, there's at least 19, 20 running backs taken off the board. Right. So when you think about it that way, Jim. Travis Etienne, beginning of the fourth, middle of the fourth, whatever it might be, that's great value. Yeah, no, I hear that. You know, I think James Robinson, by the way, like, I, I think I'm not, you know, he's not necessarily a value, but he's somebody who still holds value for where he's being taken right now. He's being taken around the seventh round uh, in most drafts and on underdog. And honestly, like, I think he can still hit, you know, 
195, 200 carries uh, with the main goal line role potentially. So if he can rack up 10 touchdowns and he can give you 200 to 225 carries this year, it's very feasible that he ends up as like a low-end RB2 or a flex option for you. You know, it, when you need a running back in a pinch, like he can he can do some things. So like we know that he's capable. We know that, you know, uh, this offense is going to be way better than it was. We think it's going to be way, way better than it was last season, considering what they had, considering their weapons, considering their quarterback. Um, so this is a situation where, you know, we've seen history with Urban Meyer with these with these big backs, right? We saw Zeke. We saw J.K. Dobbins. You know, we saw uh, Carlos Hyde, who's who's on their roster right now, um, had those high carry high carry games. You know, with um, you know lesser known guys playing the slash role and guys who weren't giving giving a ton of work in that role. Um, but Urban Meyer isn't opposed to doing that. Um, he called James Robinson, you know, the hardest working player on their team. Um, so I think there is some respect for James Robinson from Urban Meyer. Um, so I don't think he's down to zero value, but I do think he holds something is my point. Um, am I aiming for the, to draft them? Eh, I don't know. There might be some receivers around there that I'd rather have more upside, that sort of thing. But unless Sam, I can get James Robinson as my running back four. Yeah. In like exactly. the eighth round. Exactly. That's when I would want him. I don't really see him as value in the seventh. I mean, yeah. I mentioned Especially before, with, the, with the wide receivers going around, the, around that point. I mentioned before about James Robinson being very high in opportunity share. He was actually first in opportunity yeah. share out of the entire league. Um, all that volume translated to 32nd in yards per touch, 48th in breakaway run weight, um, 17th in yards created per touch, 46th in goal line carries. I, I mean, you can pick and choose stats all you want, but when it comes down to it, like James Robinson was outside the top 15, usually outside the top 30 in all the major categories on a per touch basis. So it, it was really, most of it was the volume for him, right? In the offensive line, it wasn't great, but it, it was still ranked 22nd in the league, which is better than the Vikings offensive line who produced the guy like Dalvin Cook last year. So on top of that, James Robinson only saw a stacked front, which is eight or more men in the box on 17% of his runs. So most of his runs, 43% of his runs, he only saw six or fewer defenders in the box. So it's not like this guy, even with crappy quarterback play, he was not seeing a lot of stacked boxes at all. And, um, you know, more of like I said is he had this opportunity to share. Maybe you put a different running back in James Robinson's shoes and maybe they get 1,500 yards on the ground. Maybe they, you know, maybe they do something crazy that James Robinson wasn't capable of. Yes, it's an amazing story. He's an undrafted free agent and he did what he did. But at the same time, like going to this year, Travis Etienne is far and away the better talent. James Robinson is part of that old regime. He was an undrafted free agent for the past regime. This new regime doesn't have any ties to him. And yes, he's been talked up as a hard worker. He's been talked up as a, you know, a, a great player, a great person. And that's going to keep him on the field. But it, it's not necessarily going to mean that he's going to demand a role, right? So it's going to keep him on the field. But who knows? Maybe Carlos Hyde comes in and he's the goal line guy. And I know we don't, you know, we, at this point, Carlos Hyde in his career, we kind of just throw him to the side. But he has familiarity with um, Urban Meyer's system. Two years ago, Carlos Hyde ran for over 1,000 yards. So, like, it's – I don't know. Do you I, really think Carlos Hyde is, a, is, is near James Robinson in terms of talent? 
I don't think he's near it. That's not okay. not, that's not how I. You need to put it. more respect on James Robinson's name, my dude. This guy, he he was amazing for what he did last year, man. It, his for what offense... he did last year as an undrafted free agent, yes, he was amazing. So was Philip Lindsay, but like Philip Lindsay throughout his career, he had his years, but ultimately, right now, nobody's drafting him in Houston. Well, Philip Lindsay didn't get nearly as much work as James Robinson did, right? And, and he James did better Robinson... than Robinson. Who did better than James Robinson? Philip Lindsay. Lindsay did better than James Robinson. Didn't he have higher rushing yards Robinson? with less work? No. Didn't he have over a thousand? How much did James Robinson have? He had like a thousand seventy. Okay, so, oh, so Philip Lindsay was right behind him. He had one hundred ninety-two carries. He turned into a, and then James Robinson had two hundred forty carries. So he had roughly yeah. sixty less carries than James Robinson and like twenty less yards. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, that makes sense. Um, but you know. Almost 50, 50 catches. Catch rate was pretty good. You know, like he's going to lose I, all of that. He's going to. No, maybe yeah, not yeah. All no, no. I, I, sure. I think we're talking about two different things here. Like, okay. I'm, I'm trying to not diminish what he did last year. Okay. And, not, and, okay. and, and you know, we're projecting what he's going to do this year. I, I agree with you. Like, there is, and I'm one of those people who was selling him in Dynasty because before the draft, I told everyone to sell because there's no reason to hold on to James Robinson through the draft. And they, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. I didn't know they were going to draft someone in the first round, yeah, but I, 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 I figured that they were going to draft somebody relatively early. Um, but at the same time, James Robinson ain't no scrub. You know, he was on a terrible team and he still did his thing and he not was very, scrub, very, scrub, very, very, very productive. I don't know? think he's anything um, more than an average to above average running back. I don't think he's sure a great running back at all. Sure. No, I, I could, I could, I could get on board with that. Okay. I can definitely get on board with that. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Um, so between these wide receivers, like, you know, Marvin Jones, you know, for me probably has, you know, the most, he's probably the most underrated out of these, this group. Um, LaVisca Chenault is likely going to start out of the slot. Um, so there is like a high, uh, high a potential for like high volume. Right. Um, after the catch is, is pretty good. He's a pretty athletic dude. But at the same time, like, I have a feeling that the target distribution can be pretty spread out here where you'll be disappointed most weeks. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, this is all about training camp at this point. Let me see who Trevor locks onto within training, you know, in training camp. I want to hear those reports. That's, this is one situation I'm going to pay, pay close attention to because each any of these three wide receivers – can be can have a big season, right? If I find out that Trevor Lawrence is, has a crazy connection with DJ Shark, we know what TJ Shark can do, right? Like we saw it two seasons ago. We saw when he got the targets last year too, right? He put on some weight. Um, LaVisca Chanel, same thing, highly touted, right? If we find out that he's his guy, listen, like he could put up a big season too. Marvin Jones, yeah. very similar thing. So this is one of those situations where any of these guys can have a big season. Um, so this is for me, this is a situation where like, like, listen, like I'll just draft the cheapest guy, right. Which is Marvin Jones right now um, and, and roll with it. But if I'm drafting in August, I'll definitely be paying attention to, you know, who, uh, you know, who they're talking about in training camp. Absolutely. I'm on, I'm on the same board. I don't have strong opinions about either of these guys. Um, I think my favorite of the three is going to be LaVisca. He's had the best reports from camp so far about being, um, you know, making that second year jump. And I feel like a, a big thing about last year is a lot of people are undervaluing how tough it was for these rookies 
with COVID and everything going on to really produce last year. I mean, Henry Ruggs was barely in the field. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers didn't really get started to the second half. Antonio Gibson either. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson obviously being the outlier here, but for the most part, like a lot of these rookies really struggled to get a grasp and like become consistent in their first year. I think going to their second year, especially LaVisca, he's really got the biggest chance to boom here. Uh, DJ Chark, he's been good, but he's also been very inconsistent as a receiver. Like that for his rookie year, he was like non-existent. And then all of a sudden his second year, he's like this fantastic wide receiver and then back to last year where it's like, all right, some weeks, you know, if you have DJ Chark, you're frustrated on a week-to-week basis. Part of that because of the quarterback play. But now, you know, Keelan Cole had a ton of targets last year. Now you have Marvin Jones. Now you have LaVisca going to a bigger role. So I'd much rather go for either LaVisca or Marvin Jones. I'm pretty much avoiding DJ Chark because I think he's being drafted uh, the highest out of all of these guys, which I would oh, assume is, is, is six is, or seven. Is he really? I believe so. He's he's still being drafted higher than than Lavisca. I believe so. Quote yeah, me if I'm wrong, right. but I think no, six, seven, no, you're right. Seven, eight, no, you're right. Yep, you're right. You're right. Where around the seventh, eighth? Who uh, Lavisca? DJ Shark. Oh no, DJ Shark is around the seventh round. Yeah, yeah, seventh round. Yep, you're right. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going near that right now. No way. Okay. Um, all right. So let, we talked about the Jaguars. Uh, let's uh, no Tim Tebow. And... We don't have to go over that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they have so they signed Chris Manhurts, right? Who but he's primarily a, a blocking blocking. Yeah, tenor. he's a blocking. Dude. Um, they drafted James Luke O'Shaughnessy. Farrell. Let's do it. <laughs> they drafted like Luke Farrell, and they have James O'Shaughnessy. So like, I'm avoiding these guys. I'm just gonna say that. Okay, uh, not, let's move good. on to the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson is their quarterback, and 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 is maybe their quarterback. <laughs> maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Um, who knows what's gonna happen with that situation? But for now. Tyrod Taylor versus Davis Mills. Woo! That's the uh, that's, Let's the rookie, go. that's the competition right there. Um, Let's go, dude. Listen, man, I hope it's Davis Mills. <laughs> I'm just going to say <laughs> that right now. If we want this offense to be anywhere near competent in terms of, like, any wide receivers being, you know, doing anything. Like, it, if you like Brandon Cooks and if you like drafting Brandon Cooks, you better damn – you better hope it's either Deshaun Watson or Davis Mills. Davis Mills. <laughs> like, you do not want Tyrod Taylor back there you know, throwing the ball to, to Brandon Cook. So this is not his type of receiver, right? Um, yeah, so, like, <laughs> that's that's what you're hoping. So we'll see what happens with the situation. Obviously not interested in terms of fantasy. Um, Tyrod Taylor think, was fantasy relevant about, like, seven years ago, and that, yeah. that was about it. And I think what's important here is that even if it is Tyrod, and – you know, let's just assume that the show I've lost it. Oh, are you bored, bro? Like, are you bored? Like, I... no, dude, I, I recorded the YouTube video right before this and I was yawning like eight times, like every other it, minute. And in it's camera, like, so like, like, this one has no video, too. So, yeah, this so one has no video. The other one definitely right. has a video. Right. So, that was just awful. But, um, <laughs> and the more I think about yawning, the more I make myself yawn. Like, it's the right, most annoying. I, I feel another one. <sighs> anyway, imagine how, imagine how the listeners feel. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, God, dude. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be you guys right now. Okay. Um, but even if it's Tyrod Taylor to start, they'd be stupid not to give Davis Mills the ball like at the end of the year because yeah. it's it's a end of sweet... the year. That'd be way uh, can you imagine them starting Tyrod for like for like 13 games? I'm saying they'd be dude, stupid at least the end of the year. Like he should right, easily right. see the field before then. But, like, you got to see what you got in this guy. Because if you don't have Watson long-term, if he's out of the league, whatever it may be, 
you got to know what you have in a guy like Davis Mills before you go into the draft. Because what if Davis Mills kills it, right? What if it's exactly. what if he kills it and he's a third round pick? It's not like he's like a sixth or seventh round pick. He's they picked him relatively early. People liked him as a prospect. You know, people like Davis Mills. Some people had him higher than others, but for the most part, you got to see what you have in the kid. He's he'll likely be starting second half of the year. And if he struggles, maybe they'll throw Tyrod in, let him finish his shitty season, draft a quarterback next year. Who knows? Right. But, oh yeah. It's very possible too. Yeah. Um, so this, this running back stable is, is hilarious. Uh, is, you know, obviously David Johnson, you know, leading that pack and Philip Lindsay as well. Uh, yeah. Probably he's probably their number two. Uh, they had, they signed Mark Ingram. They signed Rex Burkhead. Um, this is a situation that, you know, I think, you know, David Johnson is going to get the majority of, of the work here. Uh, but who knows, like, how many running backs are going to be in this rotation? Um, I'm assuming, like, if anybody is not going to be in the rotation, I would assume that it's Mark Ingram. Um, I would assume Mark Ingram will be, like, a solid backup for them. Um, Rex Burkhead, you know, he's a guy who's pretty capable in terms of, like, both the rushing and the receiving game. The problem with Burkhead is that he can't stay healthy. He, you know, he gets hurt all the time. So we can easily see Ingram enter this rotation at some point. But uh, there's a possibility that this is like, a, you know, a, a duo as well, right, between David Johnson and Philip Lindsay. Um, it's also a possibility that David Johnson is their workhorse as well, right? Mm-hmm. That These are all possible scenarios here. Um, and I think the fact that David Johnson is going – like, where is David Johnson going right now? Like, like ninth round? We, like that. It's, we did a draft the other day, uh, the throne draft. We got him in the 10th. Okay. So if you, if you have a chance to take David Johnson in the 10th round, I would say go ahead and do that shit. Do that. Because there's a possibility that David Johnson is still the workhorse. It's yeah. still a possibility that he sees 70% of snaps. And we know how good of a pass catcher he is. And he can be productive. Uh, can he be an RB2 at times? Hell yeah, he could be an RB2, especially mm-hmm. if he gets that type of workload. Even if he's on a shitty team, listen, David Johnson, he's not the David Johnson he once was, but as long as he's getting that work and as long as he, we know he's capable in the both the rushing and the receiving game, he can be fine. He can be decent depth. He can be a decent throw in in a trade that you make after a few good weeks that he has. He's an asset. Absolutely. And I, I, I never thought I'd be saying this going into this year, but he's kind of a value right now, right? I mean, if you he's think about what he did last year um he was second in snap share he was eighth in opportunity share and the biggest year one that really sticks out to me he had the highest yards per reception out of any running back and he ran he he ran the, the bleh, can't talk he ran the highest amount of routes percentage wise out of any running back last year so he ran routes on 70% of his snaps last year and, and you know who and you know who throws the ball to the running backs the least in the entire league, Deshaun Watson. Like he doesn't he doesn't throw balls to running backs. It just doesn't happen. So the fact that there's other running other quarterbacks potentially, you know, under center here, that could be a positive for David Johnson. Yeah, and even as a runner too, he had 5.6 yards per touch. He was nine, he had nine big runs, which was seventh in the league. Um, I I mean he 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 didn't look like you know David Johnson running back one overall. But he definitely looked a lot better last year than he did the year before. I mean, he did bounce back in a pretty decent way. And if you had him last year, you were happy with the production that you got from him for the most part. Um, yeah, the situation around him is shitty. But if you look at the Texans team, I mean, who isn't mocking with, 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 the, with Watson not playing? You'd be stupid to not think the Texans are getting the number one draft pick next year. Yeah. Right. 
And that being said, they're going to be in a ton of games when they're down. So as much as like, if this is a situation where it's going to be like an even running passing type deal, I might look more into Philip Lindsay because I think he has put like upside as a runner. But I think when it comes to pass catching, I mean, David Johnson is going to be on the field a ton. He might see 70% of the snaps just because they're playing catch up every single game. And he might see five, six targets every game, just because guess what? They're playing catch up every single game. So yeah, and he's no David doubt. Johnson, he's no doubt the best pass catcher running back. on. This not team. even a question. He is the best pass catcher on this team. Maybe he gets some touchdowns taken away by Ingram. Maybe he gets some of that early ground, early down work taken away by Flo Blunzee. But in the day, David Johnson in the 10th is a value. I, I think his value should be somewhere around the seventh. Yeah. Um, in I PPR. You know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't take him. Like there a is a ton of six, ambiguity. But... There is a ton of ambiguity, obviously, you know, because of how many running backs they do have in the backfield, but it just like, it would be, uh, it, it would suck because Mark Ingram, you know, shell of himself, Rex Burkhead can't stay healthy. He's, and he's getting older now. Uh, Philip Lindsay is the only kind of young buck that they have that, that I think is, is, is worth taking Johnson, David Johnson off the field for at times. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, is the clear number one wide receiver in, in Houston. Uh, they have Randall Cobb and Kiki Cutie running uh, alongside him. Um, I don't know if they're going to be running both these guys on the field, like the latter two, Cobb and Cutie at the same time, because both of them are slot receivers. Um, you know, th- there can be a situation where, like, you know, a third wide receiver can emerge here. But I, I think Brandon Cooks, too. You know, you, you mentioned David Johnson. Brandon Cooks can be a little bit of value as well just because of the fact yeah. that we know that he's going to get the majority of the target share, right? Uh, the yeah. Texans also lost Darren Fells, you know, and we can get into Jordan Akins a little bit. Jordan Akins might be somebody you're picking up <laughs> after like three weeks because, you know, remember, Darren Fells and Jordan Akins were pretty much the same guy. You know, they were like sharing targets, right? And you, every time Darren Fells caught a touchdown, you're like, wait, was that my guy? I was like, shit, no, it was Jordan Akins. Oh That's God, who I got. Dude, don't and, even and, me. <laughs> and it was the same way the other way around. So it's just Jordan Akins now. Uh, I'm not drafting him, obviously, because of this shitty situation at quarterback and this offense as a whole. Um, but there is room for a tight end to emerge. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at Akins, uh, who's a decent athlete and all that, you know, after a couple of weeks into the season. So uh, let me know what you think about. I want to know what you think about Brandon Cooks, though, first. So Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's he has a chance to see 30% target share next year. Yeah. I mean, they got rid of Fuller and they replaced him with what Nico Collins in the third round, who I think could be good. But at the same time, he's gonna need time to develop. And with Tyrod Taylor, is that really is that really the time to try to develop, you know, your third round wide receiver? It, it's it's not. He's not gonna see enough targets to do that. So Brand, Brandon Cooks is gonna get 30% target share and uh and 40% uncatchable targets. Yeah. <laughs> which is gonna go with about 20% real target share, which is fine still, which is still good. <laughs> which is still good. Yeah, I mean, look, Brandon Cooks. I think the unknown factor too here is like, we're not even factoring in if Watson plays right now from everything we've been hearing, it's he's not going to play for two years, but that could change tomorrow. We could see a report tomorrow that says three claims have been disputed. And then the next week, five more claims have been disputed. And I'm not going to get into like the logistics of like exactly what's going on with him in the situation, but like, you know, you, you never know with these things. And this is, this is, these are the stories this year. 
every year it's contract issues. This year's Aaron Rodgers, it's Deshaun Watson. It's getting so tiring. I just want a clean off season. I just want an <laughs> off season where we don't have to worry about this shit going up to the season. Like it is so stressful. But <laughs> well, Deshaun Watson is is you know it's interesting because you know the value of these guys instantly go up as soon as as soon as you know they announce like oh he'll be back in week six you know or whatever right and. <laughs> You know, with, you with, could potentially draft like when you draft Brandon Cooks that late, or when you draft David Johnson super late. You know, you're still getting value regardless of whether Deshaun Watson gets back, right? And then when if he does get back, you know, whatever percentage chance that he does get back, you know, they instantly get a boost, right? So that's kind of what what the the situation is here. So they're not terrible picks. They have a little bit more upside than where they're being drafted from, um, you know. And Cooks can potentially be, you know. A decent wide receiver three for you. Despite and if Watson plays, team. Cooks is a top borderline top ten to fifteen wide receiver. Boom, boom goes the dynamite from Joey, fantasy football analyst on Instagram. Go, go give him a follow <laughs> for those hot takes. For those hot takes. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, and, and yeah, we mentioned Jordan Aiken, so we'll, we'll whatever. Revan Jordan. Oh, here we go. We're going to the tit- Titans. In my notes, uh, I had my mouse on Anthony Ferkser. It just auto-corrected to Anthony Friskier. So I think we got to go draft Anthony Friskier. Oh, I think we got to do it. I think we got to do it. He was dead to me. He was dead to me when Julio got there. But now, now we're getting frisky. Now Now we're getting frisky. That's true. Okay. Ryan Tannehill, Titans quarterback. Uh, He'll be on my my draft radar this year. Um, I think he's going to be somebody – I'll be looking to draft late. No one ever thinks he's a sexy pick. Um, this year is pretty I, I, sexy. I don't know, man. He's still he's still not being drafted high enough, which is a little surprising to me, and he should be. It's just because um, of how quarterbacks are drafted. People just assume that uh, it's going to be uh, an extremely run-heavy offense again. But listen, Derrick Henry, can he really sustain another 400 carry year? Maybe. I don't know. But if I were to bet now, on anyone doing it, it would be him. Sure, sure, of course. But Julio Jones is there. You know, AJ Brown is there. They have a better wide receiver situation than they did last year. Um, I think they can go a little bit more pass heavy, right? A little bit more balanced. Um, and I think both Julio Jones and AJ Brown can get theirs. But Ryan Tannehill now has two bona fide wide receiver ones on his team now. Alphas on his team. And who are they going to guard? They got to choose one. And Ryan Tannehill is talented enough to find the open guy. He's been doing it over the past two seasons. One of the most oh, efficient yeah. quarterbacks over the past three seasons. As soon as he got to the Titans, he started killing it. And he was one of the best quarterback. He has one of the best quarterback ratings, had one of the best touchdown rates, top five over the past few seasons. I mean, dude has been on fire. So um, now the fact that he has two RC one, he's a happy guy. Uh, obviously, they lost Arthur Smith, which sucks. Um, I think it does take a little, little bit of a way. Obviously, they're going to run the same offense, but it's not the same guy running the offense. So it is going to be a little bit different. Hopefully, they don't take too much uh, too much of a step back. That's the hope. Uh, but adding Julio definitely definitely helps. Um, Darrington Evans is somebody that you want to keep an eye out for in terms of uh, a handcuff to Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I don't think Evans is going to get like a ridiculous workload like workload like Henry got, but. Um, Evans is somebody who's capable in the past game, you know, obviously capable as a runner in college. Um, so he's somebody who can be a decent, you know, uh, a pickup for you if Derrick Henry were to ever go down. 
Uh, if you have Derrick Henry and if you're, if you're in the, in the school of handcuffing your own running backs, which I'm not necessarily, uh, but you know, if you are, he's your guy, but Derrick Henry, man, uh, he is being drafted, you know, in the top five in terms of running backs and, you know, depending on where oh, you're drafting. Okay. Some, some people don't even draft him in the top five like me, but you know, you know, we're, we're talking Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. And then after that, the conversation opens up where, you know, he is right there as a potential choice. Where are you drafting him and, and which running backs are you taking over Derrick Henry in drafts in PPR drafts this year? Look, I mean, if I'm going to bet on anyone being able to take that kind of workload two years in a row, it's going to be Henry. I mean, this guy's a fucking animal. He just got paid. Um, so unless he like actually gets hurt, which. Well, we know that's indicative of future running back production getting sure. paid right of course yeah every running back who gets paid absolutely kills it right after but that <laughs> it may not be not getting paid makes him better but more so they're willing to run him to the ground because of their investment in him and i think if we're referring to todd Gurley, i think that's kind of a different situation because with todd Gurley, he had degenerative knees they never should have paid him that type of money knowing that he could literally like next season be done you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a different situation. But sure. if we're looking at Derrick Henry himself, I mean, like, look, as long as he doesn't tear an ACL or anything, and he's been fairly healthy throughout his career, they're going to run him to the ground. They paid him that money. They're going to use their asset, especially because they don't use him in the passing game, right? Like, the argument for guys like Lev Bell and Christian McCaffrey was that they're basically receivers, and receivers, like, the worst – number one receiver for a team is making like 17, $18 million, right? Talk about Odell Beckham right now and making 17, 18 million Jarvis Landry in that same range, which is higher than any running back, the best running back in the entire league. So when you talk about putting an investment in a player like Derrick Henry, who is not involved as a runner, you got to use this guy 30 plus times on the ground to get your money's worth in that sense. And, and it's possible that it's possible that Derrick Henry gets is not on the team next year. Because they do have an out after this season. It could be. Maybe they run yeah. him to the ground and let him walk. Yeah. Cut I mean, the, their dead cap after this year is only $6 million. Um, it, it's, it doesn't sound – it sounds like a lot. Um, but not. It, it's not a lot if they have to pay – because the cap hit would be $15 million if he stays on the team next season. So, yeah. you know, you never know, right? It could be – like what you're saying could be true. Now, if that contract and guaranteed was spread out a little bit more over the next couple of seasons, like maybe you would think that they don't want to run him to the ground this year. Uh, but what you said true. is it's possible, man. It's possible. Um, I, I would hope that they, they try to like – because, listen, like the odds of him doing this again is not high. Like any running back is not high. True. The odds of him doing it again the following year is not high. Is even lower, right? Obviously. Um, but so if they were to give him another 400 this year and expect them to do it again the following year, like I would just cut his ass at that point and like <laughs> just make sure that, like, you know, I'm not wasting like, tying up too much money when it comes to running backs. But that's here, the near the near here nor there. We talk about guys like him and Nick Chubb, guys who don't catch balls, right? Um, maybe with the coaching change, maybe he starts to get some more targets, but you know, it's not going to go up by a lot especially when you're already at zero. When you're averaging zero targets a game, you know, it's hard to go from zero to like five, right? He might get two or three. Without Julio, everybody's kind of sitting there like, all right, how the fuck are they going to afford to not throw Derrick Henry the ball this year? Like before they got Julio, it's like A.J. Brown, 
Josh Reynolds, Anthony Ferkser. How the hell can they get away with not giving Derrick Henry some volume in the passing game this year? Right. But then they got Julio and they have their scapegoat now and they don't have to do that. So, yeah, no, it's true. And, and yeah, so like, can Julio do his thing again? Of course. I think, I think Derrick Henry's saving grace is going to be another like 15, 16 touchdowns this year, man, at least just because his offense is going to be rolling. I think, you know, they got Julio, they got AJ and they're going to be moving the ball. And when they get within the 10 yard line, uh, that's, that's, that's Derrick Henry. That's Derrick Henry time right there. Um, So these touchdowns are going to be his saving grace. He's still going to get you, you know, two touchdowns, like in most games, you know what I'm saying? Like it's going to be that type of situation where like more often than not, he's going to give you a multi-touchdown game. You know, maybe he doesn't get like 25 carries per game, right? But maybe he'll get you like 18 to 22 carries per game, you know, getting you like 80 to 120 yards, you know, still getting it done because he's scoring. Um, Now, that's not – those aren't guys that I want to bet on. I'm not betting on Derrick Henry this year, at least not at his price. Um, So I'll be going elsewhere. Um, But at the same time, like I hope that he can prove me wrong because he's a beast. Um, but in terms of dynasty, obviously, you know, I, I hope that people were selling him, you know, before we're at this point. I mean, he was, he was a sell a little while back, um, in redraft, it, it's tough for me to draft him, you know, at, you know, in that early first round territory, but I do think he is, uh, relatively, uh, relatively like safe asset in terms of like, he's not going to go down to zero, right. Yeah. Unless he gets. Right. That's, that's, yep. that's kind of how I feel about him. But when you look at the injury uh, risk within like that top five picks, right? We're talking about Derrick Henry as a guy who might get injured because of all the work he's seen. And then he's being picked right next to Saquon, who hasn't been able to stay on the field. Um, Christian McCaffrey, who missed most of last year. Dalvin Cook has had his issues. Alvin Kamara has had minor issues over the years. So, like, if you look at the guys who he's surrounded by, Nick Chubb last year with a high ankle. Like he's healthier than those guys, if that you know, for whatever that was worth. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it, it's, it's not even just about like health, right? It's about like effectiveness no, too, right? Absolutely. And, like, is he going to be as effective as he was, and and, and all that? As long as um, he's six three, two hundred, whatever the hell he is. Yeah, I think as long as he's such a he's, he's such an anomaly, you know, it's like to, to, you know, to everything. And that's know? my and point to like he's he hasn't gotten shorter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I'm a guy who is definitely going to risk it all and take Saquon after those those two those two guys. Um, okay. I just think the upside that Saquon presents is just you know the RB one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he he has the upside of being like right there with Christian McCaffrey. You know, in terms no, in of like, standard is Derrick Henry your running back one. No, no. Christian McCaffrey still my running back one. Dalvin Cook is still my running back two. Um, and, st- three, and then you know at three, you know that's where it kind of gets you know cl- you know it closer to <laughs> someone like Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think Nick Chubb rises a lot as well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, guys like that. Okay, uh, but just remember, even in standard, those targets mean a lot, right? So it doesn't mean that you know guys like uh, Eckler, you know, aren't you know, obviously he does take a hit in non-PPR leagues. Um, you know, all all three of our uh, eight listeners, you know, are are play play non-PPR leagues. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, but okay. at the same time, yeah, th- those guys will definitely uh, increase value, increase in value. Um, so let me ask you this. Now, 
between Julio Jones and AJ Brown, right? AJ Brown. Obviously, obviously AJ Brown is going in the early second round, right? Julio Jones is going. Where is he going right now? Fourth round, I think, right now, or is he going earlier than that at this point? Fourth. Okay, so you're still drafting AJ Brown at his price. AJ Brown. But are you no drafting price. him at his price though? What second round? Yeah. Yeah. So so so, do you do you have a wait? Did AJ Brown's price go down? Is it he did. Third now? He's at the two three turn now. Yeah. Okay, I can get on board with that. Hey, I, I can get I on board with that. One hundred percent. Mid borderline early early second. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Now, I if I had to guess on the target differential between AJ Brown and 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 Julio Jones, I think AJ Brown can can see. If I had to guess between these two guys, I would say AJ Brown gets like a twenty six percent target share, and Julio Jones gets about maybe a twenty three percent target share. Um, who's going to do more with it? I think AJ Brown ends up doing more with it. Yeah. Uh, my issue, obviously, you know, AJ Brown had those issues that he had last year with his knee. He's still not 100% yet, but by the season, by the time the season starts rolling around, I think he'll be, he'll be perfectly good to go. The fact that he, he ran the entire season last year on no knees um, was super impressive. And he was still, uh, he was still able to be extremely productive as a wide receiver one. And on top of that, like, you know, the, I think the Titans thought that he was, his season was over, like after like week two. Or week three, Do something you think like that. Julio sees a higher target share in Tennessee than he did in Atlanta last year. Uh, do I think that he sees a higher target share in, in Tennessee, Tennessee this year than he did in Atlanta last year? Um, target share, yes, because yes. of the volume of passes. Yeah, yeah, target <laughs> share, saw... yes. Uh, yeah, raw, raw, raw targets, I don't know about that. Share-wise, percentage-wise, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because we um, saw about a twenty percent target share last year. AJ Brown had about twenty-six percent target share, exactly what you were saying now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's... but I do think the val- the volume goes up a little bit. So I do think that raw <laughs> targets-wise, AJ Brown's going to get more targets than he did last year. You know, yeah. despite the fact that he saw twenty-six percent last year. And too. I think they're going to pass more this year as well. Exactly, that's what I mean. And so his, I think the raw targets overall uh, for the Titans are going to go up. <laughs> Um, and this is this is an interesting theory I have with AJ Brown as well because last year obviously he had the double knee issues and he had surgery this offseason. A healthy AJ Brown, are they going to use him as a true alpha? Is he going to be used more across the field rather than, you know, he he was being used a lot like that last year but mostly like he was that deep threat. You know what I mean? Are they going to use him as a true alpha wide receiver one now that he's healthy? Is that something that they can apply to? Because if they do that, I think AJ Brown might see an even higher target share. Yeah, no, I can. I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I know that they did use him down the field like a good amount too. Um, they definitely like they definitely didn't have a short to intermediate pass game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Arthur Smith's offense. If anything was like that guy for them. Yeah, you know the possession I mean? possession receiver, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Corey Davis was playing the X last year right? Not A.J. Brown, right? And this year, I think Julio's going to play that X, and A.J. Brown will still play that flanker role, which kind of suits him, you know? I mean, Julio Jones can face that number one coverage, and this can be a really good thing in terms of efficiency for A.J. Brown. Like, when you bring in Julio, obviously, a lot of the attention was going to be on A.J. Brown. You know, raw targets would have got the job done anyway, 
But, you know, less targets for A.J. Brown now, but more efficiency. You know, does he come down with maybe more touchdowns this year because of it? It's possible, right? Um, touchdowns have huge variance, right? And it's possible that because of the presence of Julio Jones, he ends up getting more uh, of those big plays that we know that he's capable of. Um, but two, three turn for the guy like his type of upside, I'm in. Remember, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, both were able to succeed. It was a high passing volume offense, but they were ridiculously like right at the top of wide receivers, right? Julio Jones and Asia Brown can do something similar, maybe a poor man's version of that, only because of the fact that, you know, they don't have as much passing volume on that offense. Um, but it, it could definitely happen to the point where, like, listen, even Julio Jones, honestly, in the fourth round, if the middle of the fourth round, that's a pretty good value considering the fact that he has a good quarterback. He has A.J. Brown lining up across from him. Um, my only issue with, age, with Julio is his age. Um, but last year, in terms of efficiency, in terms of yards per route run, um, in terms of separation, Julio Jones was like right at the top of the league. So he still got it. It's just a matter of, is he going to be able to stay on the field? That's, that's literally the only question. Where do you have A.J. Brown ranked? Uh, I have him at wide receiver eight. I have him at four. I'm still very, very high on him. Yeah, I, I, I brought him down to wide receiver eight uh, because of the Julio Jones edition. Um, but uh, I could, I mean, he had, he's still has the ability to be the number one wide receiver in the league, the wide receiver one in yeah. fantasy this year. He still Absolutely. has that upside. I, I, I agree with that there. Um, okay, so uh, the only guy we, we forgot to mention is my boy, uh, Anthony Friskier. Yeah. Um, let's get frisky, baby. <laughs> let's get frisky. And that's all, that's all. I think that we're going to leave it at that. Let's go leave yeah, it at like that. that. Right? Let's get frisky this year. Let's All get right. frisky. He's dead to me. Guys, thank you so I much for listening. Um, AFC is finito. We're going to hit the oh, NFC. Yeah, We're going to hit the NFC next week. NFC East. Um, Saquon, very popular. Zeke, very popular division. That's going to be a popular Gibson, episode. Miles Sanders. Ooh, let's do this. Kenny Galladay. Come on, man. Put some respect. <laughs> CD Lamb, Mari Cooper. Oh, I've... that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yo, uh, Cowboys and Hard Knocks. Interesting. That's going to be crazy. You know, you know, I was disappointed. Like, God, I was like, yo, man, I was hoping to get CD Lamb in the fourth round, fifth round. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not because of Hard Knocks. <laughs> now, at the, at the Hard Knocks, it's over. This dude's gonna, this dude's going to be taking a two, three turn. Yeah. upset. But whatever, man. All right, cool, man. So listen, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this was a great episode. I appreciate all the debates. Uh, we got a little frisky in this one. Can I say that? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, appreciate you guys listening. If you can leave a review or rating on, on, on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, where, wherever you listen to the podcast, that would be uh, amazing. Uh, check us out on Instagram. I'm Faraz at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joe is at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Go check our pages out. Uh, give us a follow if you don't already uh, or just DM us. Hit us up. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know how the podcast is. We would love some feedback. Uh, but uh, until next week, guys, take it easy. See you. See you.